go to Israel because it's a vacation, because it's a fun place to go, like you're going to an island or something like that, and just relaxing on the beach. Uh, we go there because uh, we have an historical basis for our faith, and it's rooted in that land of Israel. And when you go there, you can see the places where Jesus was, and you can touch the things that Jesus touched, and see the things he saw, and, and walk in the places that he walked. Um, no other faith can, uh, can, can give us that. And so when we, when we go there, we're actually going there to worship the Lord uh, and to experience it uh, firsthand. And uh, when you're there, you can, you can just feel uh, that there's something different about that land because uh, everybody's fighting over it because it's a holy, holy place. And, and uh, so we were just grateful to have the opportunity to be there. Now, uh, I wanted you all to be able to share in that experience as much as possible, and that's why I sent out the emails every day with photos attached, and I wanted you to feel like you were a part of it as best as, as we could uh, from across the mile. So uh, I pray that you saw those and uh, enjoyed the pictures and uh, just read the comments because uh, it really was a, a very precious and holy experience for us. Uh, now, when we think about this, uh, this Israel a trip, uh, and we think about Jesus' ministry, uh, really most of his ministry took place either in Galilee to the north or in Jerusalem in the south. And so what we're going to do today is basically uh, we're going to, uh, what I'm calling, follow the steps of Jesus through the land. And we're going to look at some uh, pictures and some scriptures about uh, Jesus' ministry pretty much in chronological order in the places that he was, and we'll see some pictures. And I just pray that it will strengthen our own faith as we think about this real, actual, historical place where these actual things happened in history and so that we know that our faith is based uh, not only in a, a real God who came and lived and died and rose from the dead, but in a place where we can see all the things that are referenced in the Bible, and it should give us great confidence in the Bible to see these things. So before we get started, let's just ask the Lord uh, to be with us today. Lord God, we thank you so much uh, for the opportunity that we've had to be in Israel, to be in your holy land, uh, the place where you walked and the place where you will return. And Lord, we're just so thankful to have had that chance. Uh, Lord, we pray that today will be uh, a time uh, not only of uh, just seeing pictures, Lord, but that it will be meaningful to us uh, as we contemplate uh, the very real uh, time that you spent on earth uh, so that you could live and so that you might die and that you might rise again so that we could live, Lord. And so we thank you for these things. In Christ's name we pray it. Amen. Okay, so uh, we started out uh, at the airport, and that's us looking all fresh before we got on the plane, right? And uh, this is us as we first uh, took, uh, took our seats and sat down, and we all looked plenty happy and excited to be going. I guarantee you we did not look like that yesterday when we came back. Uh, we were a worn-out and beaten group, uh, but we, were, we had it all ahead of us at that point in time. So we were excited to be there. And then this was our first stop at Caesarea, Philipp, uh, Caesarea, Caesarea at uh, the Sea, which is the place where, uh, where Paul uh, left to go to Rome uh, on the way to Rome, where he was from the place where he left before he was uh, shipwrecked there. And so I'm just showing you that because that's the first group picture that we had together in Israel. Uh, but when we think about Jesus, the first thing that comes to mind is that he had to be born, right? He had to, we had to have the incarnation so that we could have Jesus's life on earth. And, and so the most important uh, 
uh, place that we were at that showed about that was Luke chapter 1, where we talk about the angel coming to visit Mary. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee called, uh, called Nazareth. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. So we're in Nazareth. Uh, Nazareth is just to the west of the Galilee, Sea of Galilee, uh, and it's uh, in this neighborhood here right there is Nazareth. Uh, and so when you go there, uh, this time we went and, and uh, we went to a, a place there that showed how they actually uh, did a lot of the things that they did in Nazareth. But the first time I was there, we went to the church itself. So for those who didn't get to see it this time, and for all of you, this is called the Church of the Annunciation. This is the place where uh, Gabriel is uh, said to actually have visited Mary and proclaimed that uh, she would have this son that we just read about in Luke chapter 1. So that's the outside of the church. And then this is uh, another view of the church from down on the ground. And then if you go in the church, you can see uh, this little altar there. And behind the altar, uh, there is this grotto uh, that has uh, the place where he actually, uh, where, where Gabriel actually supposedly came and talked to Mary and told her the good news that she would, that she would have this child. Uh, so that's Nazareth, uh, where the good news was first uh, proclaimed by the angel Gabriel to Mary. And that's a close-up of the grotto. You can go there, and you can stand right at that place where Mary allegedly was when uh, the good news came. So uh, the good news from, from Gabriel comes in Nazareth. And, of course, we know that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, right? So uh, several months later... Joseph went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for him in the inn. Well, they have, <clears throat> let me just show you where Bethlehem is first. Jerusalem is right down here and Bethlehem is just a few miles south of it right there. It's in uh, Palestinian-controlled territory now. It's not uh, in Israel's co uh, control right now, but you can still go and visit it. And so this is called the Church of the Nativity, and this church is built over the site where uh, Jesus was uh, allegedly born. And so uh, that's what it looks like from the outside. And the inside, you see these uh, vast hall uh, with great columns, and uh, this, this church has, was built in the 4th century, destroyed, rebuilt in the 6th century, destroyed again, rebuilt in the 12th century. Uh, but some of these things, these columns in particular, are from uh, the 6th century, very old, and those murals that you see up, up top are, are, I believe he said, from the 12th century, so very, very old. And then behind that altar that you see in the back there, uh, this is the actual supposed birthplace of, G of Jesus uh, in, the, uh, in the part of that church that uh, there are people waiting online for two hours to get in to see that particular part of the church. And, and so that's what it looks like back there. So Jesus was born there. And of course, he uh, spent 30 years quietly uh, before he began any kind of public ministry. Uh, but later on in Matthew, we see that he did begin his public ministry. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. So I'll show you where uh, that was. That's the Sea of Galilee. When I call it a sea, our tour guide was very particular. He said, it's not a sea. It's a tidal lake. And so he wanted us to know that because it's very small, actually. It's like 14 miles uh, long by seven miles wide. It's, it's not much of a sea at all. It's a lake and it's fresh water. Uh, so we stayed right about here 
uh, and at the southern part of the lake. And then this is the place where is the traditional uh, baptism site of Jesus. And uh, if you go there, this is what you'll see. It's not a mighty river, right? It's just this uh, small uh, little river here. And you can go there, and there are lots of people being baptized. And uh, I had the privilege to baptize uh, five people uh, myself at the uh, at the lake and uh, at the river, and it was fantastic. Troy and Jim and Terry and Melanie and uh, that fellow on the all the way on the other side is Dirk. He's a friend of ours uh, who came from New Jersey and met us there in Israel. So, uh, what a blessing it was to get to be part of of such a thing. So we did the baptism there in uh, the River Jordan. Now remember that Jesus, of course, was baptized in this very site by John the Baptist. And after he was baptized, we get Jesus's temptation, right? Immediately thereafter, he was uh, impelled by the Spirit out into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And so if you're there, uh, this <clears throat> is what the wilderness looks like. Uh, can you imagine being walking around that for 40 days uh, with nothing to eat, nothing to drink in that uh, barren area? Uh, it's quite unbelievable. But we were pretty close to there, and while we were there, uh, we got to do something that we haven't done in a very long time. I wonder if any of you have done this. Have you ever ridden a camel? <coughs> Betty Ann rode a camel, and uh, she was very happy to do it. Troy and Beverly rode a camel. Uh, Jim and Melanie rode a camel. Jim's doing his yeehaw there. Uh, Mary Jo got to ride a camel with uh, Tiffany. That's somebody else who was on the trip with us. And uh, Molly and I got to ride the camel too. So it was very, very fun to be able to ride the camel. Now, what you don't see is that just to the right side of that camel is a cliff that falls into nothingness. And they didn't tell us that before we got on the camel, but that's where the camel went. And thankfully, the camels were quite sure-footed, so uh, we did not uh, crash and burn. Uh, later on in Jesus' ministry, he went back down to Jerusalem, and then after he went to Jerusalem, he came back up through Samaria. He came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph, and Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour, and a woman came from Samaria to draw water. Now, we didn't get to see this on this trip, but uh, if you go there, there is a, uh, th that's Samaria, first of all, so right in the middle of the picture, there's Samaria just above the Dead Sea and just below the, uh, where the Sea of Galilee would be. So that's Samaria. And this church is there. It's a Greek Orthodox church right now. And you can go in that church, and Jacob's well is still actually there. Uh, and that's what it looks like. Uh, so you could, Jesus sat probably right on that rock, uh, and talked to the woman at the well right there. Uh, and it still exists, and it has existed not only from Jesus' time, but remember the woman said, Jacob gave us this well. So that back, dates back another uh, 14 or what, 1800 years. Uh, so that's a very, very old well uh, still existing today. So on his way back from Jerusalem through Samaria, then he went back up to Capernaum. And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali. Uh, so now we're all the way back up at the north part of the Sea of Galilee again. Uh, this is the area up here. This is Galilee, and we'll be talking about uh, coming to Capernaum, which is right there on the north side of the lake. Um, that is the sign that you see as you enter the hometown of Jesus. Uh, and in Capernaum, you can see, this is an aerial view, 
what you see all the way to the right there is a second century synagogue uh, that is built on a first century foundation, which was there at the time of Jesus. So Jesus would have walked on that first century foundation. I'll show you that in a second. Uh, so you can see that dark brick on the bottom. That's the first century foundation. The white church on top, the white synagogue on top, was built in either the second or third century, but the, the foundation that Jesus actually walked on is still there, and it's quite remarkable to, to be in that spot because uh, Jesus unrolled the scroll there, and, and he said, today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing there. A pretty powerful place uh, to be to, to look at such a thing. Um, what you also see uh, is, uh, what did I show you before? Okay, so uh, what you see there, that big round thing in the middle, that is a church that is built on top of the remains of Peter's uh, house. Uh, so they think they found Peter's house and they've excavated it. And so I'll show you that, what it looked like before that church was built, which was built in about 1980. Uh, you can see the remains under that church. It's, it's wide open now. You can walk there and you can still see the remains. They've lofted it and built it up so you can see the, the physical remains of the church. Uh, so well, there we are standing by the Sea of Galilee looking. You know, if you have to live somewhere, if you're going to leave your hometown of Nazareth, uh, Capernaum's not a bad place to go, right on the lake there, lakefront property, it's a beautiful place to be and we enjoyed ourselves there. Uh, so he arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever and they appealed to him on her behalf. And so these are the foundation stones of Peter's house. And so uh, this is where Peter's mother-in-law would have been healed, right in that particular uh, house and that, is, that would be where it happened. And we know that the Sea of Galilee is where uh, Jesus called his first disciples. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And there's this little area on the Sea of Galilee, right by Capernaum. It's a little shallow area. Uh, and they think that this is probably the little alcove where Jesus was picking and calling his disciples right there. So after he's got his disciples, then he's going to go down to Jerusalem. And he's going to go there uh, because it was the Feast of the Jews. And we remember uh, back in John chapter 5, he was heading down there for the Feast of the Jews. It was probably uh, for the Passover. It says, after this, there was the Feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up there to Jerusalem. By the way, you always go up to Jerusalem, no matter which direction you're coming from, because Jerusalem is uh, very high up the hill. So if you're coming from the south or from the north or east or west, they say you're going up to Jerusalem. It's not a directional thing. It's an elevation thing. So now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multiple of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years, and we know the story of how he healed that man there. Uh, this is what you see when you go there today. First of all, if you look on the east side there, uh, you see what's called St. Stephen's Gate. Uh, that gate was called the Lion's Gate, uh, also called the Lion's Gate. And if you go through the Lion's Gate, you'll get right to the pools of Bethesda. Uh, and so that's the Lion's Gate. And this is what the pool of Bethesda looks like today. Uh, they have built 
all kinds of churches there during the Crusader period and the Christian period that have been knocked down, reassembled, knocked down again. Uh, so it's kind of hard to get a true vision of what that looked like in Jesus's day. Uh, that's another view of it, but it happened right there uh, at the pools of Bethesda. So he's in Jerusalem at this time and he heals this blind man and now he's gonna go back up to Galilee again. And so he goes up to Galilee. Oh, I'm sorry, there's a picture of what the, when it says the five colonnades, each one of those rows, you can see the rectangle and the square uh, and then the, the transversal between them. That's the five covered porticos. So you see here, that's one, two, three, four, and then the one down the middle is five. That's what the five covered porticos uh, represents there. But of course it's all gone now, but that's what it would have looked like at the time. So he's gonna go back now, uh, to the, uh, to back to the Sea of Galilee, uh, to the passage that we've been studying for the past uh, six plus months, I think now. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, and then he gives them the Sermon on the Mount. And we know, of course, that the Sermon on the Mount was given, of course, in the northern part of the Sea of Galilee on what's called the Mount of Beatitudes uh, right here. Uh, and so we've seen the picture. It's been in our bulletin for quite a while, for the past six months. There's a little church there that's been built on the very spot. And from the church, you can look down toward the Sea of Galilee. That, uh, uh, that in the distance is the sea. It's hard to make out, but the sea is down there. And uh, Jesus sat on that mountain, and he, he gave that Sermon on the Mount to about 5,000 people. Uh, and you know the story, of course, that he left that sea and he rode across the lake with his disciples. Uh, and when they saw Jesus walking on the sea, coming near the boat, they were frightened. But he said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. This is what the Sea of Galilee looks like at sunset. Quite a beautiful sight. Uh, sun over water is one of the most peaceful things uh, that there is to see. And we have to spend some time there too. So this is us having a fish fry uh, at the Sea of Galilee. We sat at a restaurant and they brought us the entire fish, head, guts and all, uh, have been lightly battered. Uh, if you don't like fish eyes and fish ears and stuff like that, you just eat the body. Uh, but it's, it, was, it was right on our plate looking, looking quite at us, in fact, uh, as we enjoyed it. Uh, and then this is a picture that we had taken. We got to take a boat ride right after across the Sea of Galilee, and that's all of us standing on the back of the boat doing our boat ride uh, across the sea. So uh, he was on the Sea of Galilee, and then he goes north, right? He moves up to the, to the region of Caesarea Philippi, and he asks his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Well, Caesarea Philippi is much north even further than the Sea of Galilee. It's, it's the furthest record we have of how north Jesus went aside from the transfiguration, which I'll also show you. Uh, but Caesarea Philippi is all the way up in this region right there. Uh, well, well north of the Sea of Galilee. And we got to take a ride up there. Uh, and that used to be a pagan shrine. Uh, you can see it from here in the distance. There's that cave there. And then as we get closer, we can see uh, some of the carvings on the wall. Those were all uh, carve-outs dedicated to pagan gods, to Roman gods. And it's interesting that Jesus came to this area 
uh, and Peter made his great confession there, right, in the face of all this pagan idolatry. Uh, this is where Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And I think that's interesting because uh, I think geography is important because Jesus knew that the transfiguration was going to happen, obviously, and it was going to happen very close to there. And in fact, that is what happened because he was close to this place called Mount Hermon, where we read about the transfiguration. And after six days, Jesus took James with him uh, and Peter and John, his brother, and led them up to a high mountain themselves, and he was transfigured before them. So most scholars think that the transfiguration happened on this place called Mount Hermon, which is uh, just up here, slightly north of Caesarea Philippi in that region. And you can see it in the distance uh, from uh, standing in the Caesarea Philippi region and, and uh, from all across the valley. It's the, it's the highest mountain in Israel. It's 9,200 feet high. And you can see it there uh, with snow caps uh, on it. So uh, he's transfigured before them. Now, uh, Jesus is... is getting near uh, the end of his life, getting closer and closer uh, toward the Passion Week. And, and so the next thing that we see is that he's going to come back down to Jerusalem again as he makes his way uh, from the north all the way back to Jerusalem. Uh, he does a few things that are important to us uh, that we see in Scripture. And one of them was the raising of Lazarus. Now, a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha, so he's there, and uh, he says, after saying these things, he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. Now, you remember the story, right? He had just escaped from them, from their hands, and his apostles say, wait, you just got away from those guys. You're going to go back to them again? And he says, yes, we have to go because we have to wake up Lazarus. But he had to wait a certain amount of time, right? Because uh, they had this superstition that if the body hadn't left, or if the spirit hadn't left the body for four days, then it was possible that the spirit could come back. So Jesus waited long enough so that that superstition, they'd be, be beyond any kind of time period for that superstition, uh, and they would know that it had to be by Jesus' power that he was raised. Now, if you go uh, to Bethany, which is very close to, um, uh, to uh, Jerusalem itself, this is where the temple would have been. This here is the Mount of Olives, and on the other side of the Mount of Olives is this little village called Bethany, and that's where it would have happened. And there is a tomb there right now that commemorates uh, Lazarus's death and his resurrection. Uh, traditionally, that is the place where it happened. Uh, so the, the uh, Lazarus's tomb. Uh, and then the next thing that would have happened was, of course, then they decide that it's time to step up the persecution on Jesus. And Jesus is going to uh, lead the disciples to the upper room. And at the upper room, he's going to speak to them, wash their feet, and tell them uh, that he's about to be killed. And so uh, as, his, as, as Jesus was leaving the temple, oh, wait, I missed this part. As he's, in the, uh, as he's in Jerusalem, it says, as Jesus was leaving the temple, one of his disciples said to him, look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. And Jesus said, do you see all these great buildings? Not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. And of course, Jesus was speaking right around 33 AD or so. 70 AD, what happened in, Rome, in Jerusalem in 70 AD? Well, the Romans came and they destroyed their city. And if you go there today, you can see all these stones thrown down, one on top of another, just like Jesus said. That's Mickey, our tour guide, by the way, who's leading us. He was fantastic. If we go back, I'm asking for Mickey. He did a fantastic job. Uh, Love to be with him. So that's what the stones look like. And now, 
Of course, that is the base of the temple. Up on top is where, uh, that's called the Temple Mount. Up on top is where the temple was, and in its place now is this hideous thing called the, the Dome of the Rock, right? That is in the place of where the uh, temple used to be. But you can go up there now. I wasn't able to go in the Dome of the Rock, uh, uh, but it's a, it's a shrine now, and there's another uh, a mosque up there called Al-Aqsa Mosque, and those are the two places where they worship, but you can go up there and you can, you can do that. Uh, Troy and Beverly and Molly and I went up there and we took a look at that. And uh, if you're there, you got to do it. So we did it. <clears throat> so that's what we did there at the, at the Dome of the Rock. Then uh, Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and prepare the Passover for us that we may eat it. And they said to him, where will you have us prepare it? And he said, behold, when you have entered the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him and into the house that he enters. Now, if you go to Jerusalem, there are a couple of places that compete uh, for being the place that is the traditional upper room. Uh, this is the place that we visited. Uh, it's probably not the upper room. That's not the way they made ceilings back in the first century. Uh, but this is the place that claims uh, to be the upper room. Uh, and undoubtedly, it was in the area. It wasn't uh, they didn't build a whole lot of second stories in the area, and so it, it, it probably wasn't this, but it was a place uh, somewhat like this. And so he, he uh, did the foot washing and this final uh, upper room discourse to his disciples in a room just like that room. Uh, and then he went out uh, to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And so we know about the Garden of Gethsemane, but there was also a little tiny underground uh, church that I didn't get to see the last time that I was there. I didn't even know it was there. This time I got to see this little tiny church. And you can go down the steps and you walk into this little church and you see Gethsemane written there. And when you go in there, it's just a little uh, maybe 100-seater place where you could, you could sit around this church. It's underground. Uh, you can see the rock outcrop uh, above it. And uh, you can see this beautiful mural that's painted on the wall that exists there now. So most scholars think that this is the very room where Jesus would have gone to hang out with his disciples in uh, when he went to Gethsemane before he entered into the garden itself. Uh, now, as you approach the garden, this is what you'll see today. There is a sign that says Gethsemane, and uh, uh, it's just outside the gate. And when you get into the garden, <clears throat> it's very small. It doesn't look like very much. Uh, but you can walk through uh, that garden and you can see olive trees that look like, and scholars believe that they may be some 2,000 years old. That was the widest trunk that I saw in the garden. Uh, and it's amazing how these olive trees grow. They, they, they grow and then they hollow out in the middle. And then these little branches shoot up from inside the middle. And those branches are called netzers. Uh, which is where we get the phrase, he shall be called a Nazarene from these netzers, all grammatically tied to uh, these olive trees and these shoots, these roots of Jesse that grow up out of these olive trees. And so it's fun to see that thing uh, firsthand. They have built a church right next to it called the Church of All Nations, which is a, a fairly new church. This church is only, I think, 75 years old or something like that. But several churches have been built on that spot uh, over the years. This is the most recent one. And if you go in that church, there is this out, uh, outgrowing of rock right there that they've built around. They didn't cover it. 
Remember in the, in, when he's in Gethsemane, it says, Jesus went about a stone's throw away, and there he knelt and prayed. Well, this is the traditional place that he would have knelt and prayed, about a stone's throw away from the Garden of Gethsemane. So they've left that rock uncovered, and uh, they believe traditionally that that is the place where Jesus said, not my will, but thy will be done, Father. Uh, and you could place your hands on it, which is a pretty intense, uh, pretty intense experience uh, there in the church. So uh, that view is the eastern view. You're looking at the uh, Temple Mount from the east, from around where the Garden of Gethsemane would be. And so Jesus would have walked from the Garden of Gethsemane down into Jerusalem. And that's where he would have been crucified and he would have been buried and he would have uh, been resurrected. So let's read about the resurrection or the burial. Now there was a man named Joseph from the Jewish town of Arimathea. And he was a member of the council, a good and righteous man who had not consented to their decision and action. And he was looking for the kingdom of God. And this man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. And then he took it down and wrapped it in a linen shroud and laid him in a tomb cut in stone where no one had ever yet been laid. So the place of the crucifixion and the place of the burial and the place of the resurrection are all intimately tied together. And there are two traditional spots where this may have happened. One is at what is called Gordon's Calvary and the Garden Tomb, and the other is called the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. And scholars disagree about which place that it could have or would have happened, but it probably happened in one of these two places. So let me show you uh, uh, evidence for both. First of all, we we, we looked at that. We saw Gethsemane uh, here. Jesus would have walked from Gethsemane down the Kidron Valley and into Jerusalem. That's how he would have entered the city. Uh, And then this is a model of what the city of Jerusalem looked like. So the Temple Mount is there on the uh, eastern side of it. And on the, where you would go from there to see, uh, I can't show you in detail in this picture, but on the northwest corner here, right there is what's called the Antonia Fortress. That doesn't exist anymore, but that is the place where uh, the Roman soldiers, where the Roman garrisons would have hung out, and that's where Pilate probably was, where Jesus was going to be tried. So Jesus was probably tried right there in the Antonia Fortress on the northwest corner of the temple. And from there, you could either go in one direction to where the Church of the Holy Sepulchre is or to another direction where the garden tomb is. So I'll show you that. Remember, it's called the place of the skull, right? We, we read that. Golgotha means the place of the skull. This is what it looks like today. Uh, can you see the eye, the two eyes, and the nose there? That's what it looks like today. But it's suffered through a lot of erosion over the past several years. This is a picture of it from 100 years ago, before the erosion and from dead on. And you can see it a lot more clearly, the eyes, the two eyes, and the nose. And so it's called the place of the skull. And they say that he would have been buried on the ground there in front of the place of the skull on a public thoroughfare where everyone would see his humiliation and be discouraged from being disobedient to Rome. So if that's where he was crucified, then he was probably buried here in what they call the garden tomb. And we got to enter into that, and this is what it looks like. Uh, There's a series of tombs there, about four of them, uh, and you can see those, uh, those, those tombs laid out there. Now, this tomb, to me, I don't think this is the place, because this is not how they built tombs in the first century, and it says that this is a place in which no one had ever been laid. Uh, This tomb was probably built about 700 years before Christ. And so 
Uh, I am not persuaded that this is the place that he was buried. I prefer uh, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre as the place that he was buried. <clears throat> the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, that's it from above, those two domes there, that's the church. Uh, and if you're down inside the church, uh, you have to be in there and imagine that the church isn't there, which is really hard to do because it's built all around you. Uh, but if, it, if you were standing there without a church being there, this is what it might have looked like. Now, uh, there's one outgrowth of rock uh, that's called Calvary. That's where he would have been crucified. And then this whole lined section here, see that? That says this was demolished in the fourth century in order to build the church. But he may have been buried right in there. And there's a structure built over that right now uh, called the Edicule, which I will show you in a minute, which may be the, the, the tomb uh, that Jesus was actually buried in beneath the Edicule, below the rock there. Uh, so this is what it looks like from the front. That's the only entrance or exit to the church. And so that's where you go in. And when you go in, uh, you can see that. Uh, that is, uh, it's very ornate. There are about four or five different churches that have control over the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, and they all uh, anoint it with various kinds of uh, different uh, icons and everything that are all over the place. And when we went there a few times, I think we went twice, absolutely jam-packed with people, very hard to get, uh, to get any place and see uh, a whole lot of this church. Uh, but that would have been, that stone there that you see in case below, that might have been Golgotha where he was actually crucified. And here's another uh, angle of the stone. Uh, and that there is what they call the anointing stone. After Jesus uh, was uh, crucified, they anointed his stone or his body for burial. And he supposedly laid right on that stone to be anointed. And there are people there, you know, circled around it, kissing the stone, uh, putting their hands on the stone, uh, for every minute that the church is open. So that's a very popular place. So that's the anointing stone, and you can see it from above. They're holding a Catholic mass there, Easter service there uh, that, in that picture. And then you have this structure called the edicule. Uh, this is placed just below the dome, uh, and what you'll see is uh, it's a structure that was built over the... That's a frontal view. That's the that's best view. Uh, it's a structure that was built over the traditional tomb of Jesus. And you can go in this thing. You just have to wait online for a couple hours uh, to get in there. And when you go in there, uh, through that entrance there, uh, what you'll see is this, uh, this rectangular encasing there. Now, under this thing, uh, th that has not been opened in over almost uh, over 200 years. And if you, they've, they've done like, uh, I don't know, photographic uh, pictures to get to see through the stone. And they think that there are remnants there from stones that have built, been built over that and then over that and over that. And uh, one scholar in particular says that right under that, he's convinced that the tomb of Jesus exists right below uh, the lowest level of the tomb there. So. Uh, I think this place makes more sense than any other place that this would be uh, the place where the crucifixion and the burial uh, happened. But uh, the important thing is not where he was buried or where he was resurrected, but that he was buried and that he was resurrected, right? So it's not a question of where so much as, 
as that had happened. And so we'll talk about the resurrection. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? So Jesus raised from the dead, probably from a tomb that looked a lot like this. Uh, this is in the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. They used to build them vertically, directly into the rock, and they would lay him in a place just like that. And probably this is the best evidence for why it would have been in the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, is that there are tombs like this that exist uh, right there. Uh, so he rose from a tomb that looked just like that. And then Jesus met his disciples again, and he said to them after his resurrection, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to them, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to them, feed my lambs. Well, remember he said, go and meet me in Galilee, and that's where you will see me again. So they went up to Galilee, to this very area in the northern part of the Sea of Galilee, uh, and there's a church there, of course, that commemorates uh, Peter and John, or Peter and Jesus' reconciliation there. And you can go in that church and uh, be just a, a stone's throw away from where Peter and Jesus uh, reconciled. And then, of course, Jesus had to ascend into heaven, right? Then he led them out as far as Bethany, lifting his hands up, and he blessed them. And while he blessed them, he parted them with, from them and was carried up into heaven. So there's a mosque there now in Bethany that is built over the traditional site of Jesus' ascension. And if you go to this place, you can see this, which is allegedly Jesus' final footprints uh, before he ascended into heaven. So he stood there, made a footprint, and just lifted off the ground uh, right there uh, in Bethany as part of the church. Now, this is all tradition, right? We know that these things are not necessarily so, but these are the things that you can see that if you go there, and it may not necessarily have happened right there, that may not be Jesus' last footprint, but we know that it happened right in that very area. So Jesus has ascended, and what's the next thing that's going to happen? Well, the next thing that's going to happen is that Jesus is going to come again. Revelation 16, 13. And I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet three unclean spirit like frogs. For they are demonic spirits performing signs who go abroad to the kings of the whole world to assemble them for battle on the great day of God the Almighty. And they assembled them at a place in Hebrew that is called Armageddon. Uh, Armageddon is a compound word. Har means mountain and Megiddo is the place of the mountain. Uh, so it's a, it's a mount, uh, supposedly, that looks a whole lot like a plain, if you ask me. I'll show you where it is. This is right in the middle, called the Jezreel Valley, right here. Uh, and if you look at it, that's what it looks like. It's just this wide open plain. And you can imagine uh, if all the armies of all the kings of the earth were going to be assembled, that would be a really good place to assemble them because it's about the only flat ground in all of Israel that we were able to find. Uh, so you could imagine a vast multitude there. And of course, uh, they're all going to fall down dead when Jesus comes riding on his horse and strikes them with the sword uh, from his mouth. And after he strikes them dead... Uh, I will gather all the nations against Jerusalem to battle. Then the Lord will go out and fight against those nations as when he fights on a battle, on a day of battle. And on this day, his feet shall stand on the Mount of Olives that lies before Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west by a very wide valley so that one half of the mount shall move northward and the other half southward. And so that is the Mount of Olives right there. 
And Jesus is supposedly going to come back and stand on that Mount of Olives, Olives during such a great earthquake that the earth is going to split right in two. And as Christians, uh, that is the hope that we have. We await his second coming because then we will be vindicated and all truth uh, that has been written throughout the Bible will be uh, shown to be correct. And uh, we uh, will have realized uh, the final goal of our Christian walk. And that is the resurrection of our bodies, the resurrection of our souls, and that we, we might live forever and ever with Jesus Christ. And so uh, that is our Jerusalem presentation. And uh, I tell you, when, the experience that we had uh, is just such an amazing thing. I would encourage you all uh, to think about it. Uh, we're not getting any younger, right? Uh, and if, if we have opportunity, uh, it is really an, an incredible thing to see, to walk in that land, uh, to see the things that he saw, and to put a color uh, to the pictures that we read about in the Bible, to put meat on the skeleton that we read in the Bible. You'll never read the Bible the same way again after you've been to Jerusalem and, and been to Israel. So uh, I pray that we'll think about it and maybe uh, a couple years hence, we'll, we'll give it another try and uh, see who wants to go to Israel another time. Uh, but we just are, are grateful for the chance that we had. And uh, so uh, we're thankful and uh, just ask the Lord uh, to bless uh, this trip to our minds and to our souls, and I pray that you've all benefited from our going, and hopefully one day you'll go yourselves. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you uh, for the trip that we had, and uh, Lord, not just for a sightseeing trip, but that we may have been truly made closer to you, Lord, that we may understand uh, the truth of your words, the truth of the Bible. Lord, it's so accurate, so dead-on accurate, that when you're walking there, you can uh, read the Bible and see the things that uh, that's, are said in the Bible. Lord, it gives us such confidence in your word, and uh, we're just so thankful, Lord. And because we're so confident in your word, we know that you are coming again, Lord, and it is the hope of the faith that we have. Thank you for giving us this hope, Lord. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the resurrection. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for all that you've done for us. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.